This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Batman's Extreme. Yes, yes, when he leads the Justice League. Satellite in the night, always trying to do what's right. That's car bankroll. What will happen when you hit the pole? Well, you don't know who's in the night. Bring Red Robin and maybe Batgirl to the big bad villain fight. Download the show now. It is time now. Bad books for beginners starts right away. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 213. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Bruce Wayne, The Road Home. So, Chris, tell us about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Jerry, I thought I heard a little bit of Steppenwolf as we were coming oh, into the show. Is yes. that right? It sure is. Uh, one of my old favorites. Oh, mine too. That was a great job. Oh, thank you. Sorry, folks. No Batman 188 today, but instead we are going to be examining uh, Batman Bruce Wayne, The Long Road Home. Or The Road Home. <laughs> Batman Bruce Wayne, uh the Long Road Home is a 200-page, full-color, soft-cover trade paperback that was published in May 2012 and had an original cover price of $17.99, and it appears to have only gone through one printing. A hardcover version of this trade also exists that was published in July 2011. It had the same page count and had a cover price of $24.99. This trade paperback reprints eight number one one-shot titles. Oh, they were. Good Lord. Okay, get a scorecard here. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Batman and Robin, number one, part one, written by Fabian Nicienza and art by Cliff Richards. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Red Robin, part two, written by Fabian Nicienza, art by Raymond Box and John Lucas. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, The Outsiders, part three, written by Mike Barr, art by Javier Salteras and Rebecca Bookman. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Batgirl, part four, written by Brian Q. Miller, art by Perret Perez. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Catwoman, Part 5, written by Derek Fridloffs, and art by Peter Gwynn. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Commissioner Gordon, Part 6, written by Adam Beechin, and art by Simon Kudransky. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Oracle, Part 7, written by Mark Andrenko, and art by Augustine Padilla. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Ra's al Part 8, written by Fabian Nicienza, and art by Scott McDaniel and Andy Owens. All of those issues were originally cover dated December 2010, and they had a cover price of $2.99. 
If you wish to obtain a hard copy of this, well, prices are all over the board. For a new copy on Amazon at the time of this recording, a copy of the trade paperback was going for $36.78. But get this, you could get the hardcover edition at a cheaper price at $25.99. But used copies of the trade start at $9.99, and someone is selling a used copy of the hardcover for only $1.79. The individual back issues can be had for a little less than cover price from online vendors, and this is available on Comixology for $9.99. Well, as you heard, we have a massive amount of folks for our creative teams, many of which have been mentioned on our show before. So, in the interest of time, we're just going to spotlight a few we haven't mentioned on recent episodes. As per usual, I'm going to go off my memory and some online resources. The Batman was created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Uh, Writer Mark Andrenko is 49 years old. I first noticed his work on the Manhunter series, which began in 2004, relaunching it in a third volume in which he, with artist Jesus Seiss, introduced the character of Kate Spencer, the first woman to carry the long-running Manhunter legacy. We also had Ryan... Excuse me, we also had writer Brian Q. Miller, who began his work on the Smallville TV series as an unpaid intern in Season 5. From 2009 to 2011, he wrote the Stephanie Brown Batgirl book, Artist Scott McDaniel is pretty solid. He's a Pittsburgh native and a Bucknell mm-hmm. graduate. I'm not sure what I mostly associate him with, as he's done great mm-hmm. runs on Nightwing, Green Arrow, Robin, and, of course, Batman. And don't forget Marvel's Daredevil. I really couldn't find out much about Simon Kudrowski, whose art I really, really enjoyed in his respective chapter, but you can find his work later this year on Marvel's new Fallen Angels series, which will come out. Uh, in the latter part of this year. Uh, over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of four stars out of five, based only on 15 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this mm. has a rating of 3.67 stars out of five, based on 979 ratings and 55 reviews. But the key question of this podcast remains, just mm. what do Jerry and I think of this book? <laughs> and of course, we still need to hear Jerry's awesome recap. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Great info. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about the story after a few messages from some of our friends. Sawete. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967-1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spalai, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. 
Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back. Here is the story of Bruce Wayne, The Road Home. Bruce Wayne is back in Gotham, but not everyone knows it. He wants to observe the heroes to assess their performance and see how they may have changed in his absence. So he has created a fully costumed character called The Insider and is visiting different people and teams. First, he observes Dick Grayson, the new Batman, and Damien, his Robin. Someone has threatened to kill Gotham's mayor. They fight a gang, and Dick lets one bad guy, Killshot, get away. Damien is aghast at what he thinks is a slip-up, but Dick has planted a tracker on him, and they follow him to his hideout and beat up some guys. But Killshot gets away again. Dick realized where Killshot's escape helicopter was parked, so he heads off Killshot there. Vicki Vale is trying to put together her evidence about the Bat family being the Wayne family. She discovered that they had put a tracker on her. She talks into it and sets up a, quote, date with, quote, Bruce, who at least is supposed to be Bruce. Alfred gets the message and sends Tommy Elliott, who, as you may remember, has given himself plastic surgery so he can impersonate Bruce. Vicki arrives at the date at a fancy restaurant and tells Bruce that she knows about him being Batman. Bruce kisses her. After the dinner, she realizes that, since she's been intimate with Bruce in the past, that that kisser wasn't Bruce. Where is the real Bruce Wayne? Bruce, or the insider, meets up with Red Robin, who does know who he is. Tim tells him that there were other attempted assassinations that day all around the world. Bruce notes that the new Batman and Robin are doing just fine. Does anyone still need him? Red Robin travels to Amsterdam, where their mayor is also under threat. He fights some baddies and is joined by his old pal via Ra's al Ghul, Prudence. She isn't savvy to the plan Tim and Bruce have, so she almost messes things up. The insider steps in to finish beating up folks, and it turns out the insider's suit has some stuff from the other soups in the Justice League. Green Lantern's ring power, Wonder Woman's lasso, speed force power, teleportation, you know how it is, it helps. The bad guys get away, but it's all part of the plan. Vicki Vale goes to Stately Wayne Manor and tells Alfred she knows what's up and that Bruce is a fake and the Bat family is Dick and Tim and Damien, etc. To her flabbergastery, Alfred admits it all and that Bruce was lost in time, etc., etc., catching everyone up. They have to clean up the coffee she spills. Alfred says he'll deny it all and Vicky says she will prove it. Back in Amsterdam, the baddies from earlier, the spiders, are meeting. Hey, one of the spiders is the insider, undercover, who's just joined the crew. They give him an assignment to prove himself. Kill Red Robin. Outside Amsterdam City Hall, the insider and Red Robin stage a fight. While the other disguised spiders are looking up, Prudence tasers one. Tim, Bruce, and Prue join up to defeat the rest of them. Prudence makes a phone call to explain her activities. She's calling Rachel Ghoul, who guesses that the insider is Bruce Wayne. Bruce visits, visits Stephanie Brown, Batgirl. She sees the insider beating up some guys at a Wayne Tech R&D building. She fights Bruce, who she believes is the baddie. She's on comms with Oracle, but even so, the insider's Green Lantern-powered heat vision is too much for her. Then he disappears. She uses a blast gun to get his position, but he uses the speed force to run away. Turns out, the insider stole a gun that can shoot a ghost bullet that only enters tangible existence after some distance. So you can shoot through a wall without leaving a hole behind, stuff like that. 
She figures out the public event where a killing will happen. Now, there are a bunch of cameras shooting live footage. They figure out that one camera has only one person watching the feed. Stephanie goes to the parking garage of the watcher, and it's the insider. She confronts him and asks him who he is. He pulls off his mask. It's Bruce. She gets mad at him for testing her and slaps him. Oops, maybe that was a little much. She runs off, shouting that she she's glad he isn't dead. He catches up with her on a rooftop, and they talk. She says that he cannot take being Batgirl away from her. He doesn't. Vicki Vale goes to talk with Barbara Gordon to try to get proof on the Waynes. Babs is able to sniff out her phone to see what proof she has. Next up, the insider visits the outsiders in Markovia. There, Bruce circulated the rumor that someone will try to assassinate Geoforce, who's also known as Prince Breon, the country's leader. The outsiders include Geoforce, Katana, Halo, and the Looker. Markovia has a lot of civil unrest. Katana is trying to figure out who will kill Geoforce. At the palace, an alarm goes off. The villages are in pitchfork and torch mode. The outsiders go to quell the disturbance and use non-lethal force. The observing insider approves, though he does have notes for the team. Geoforce saves the crowd from a bazooka shot. He is dead. Just kidding, not dead, but he did save everyone's life, and they appreciate it and stop rioting. The insider disables the bazooka guy. The other outsiders get to the rooftop the insider is on. They fight. Insider wins. Geoforce gets his act together and fights the insider. Back at the palace, everyone heads off to bed after a busy day. Bruce goes to Katana, who has recognized his fighting style. They have a nice chat to catch everyone up. Bruce tells Katana how awesome she is and that the rest of the outsiders need her. Yeah, I think she's pretty awesome, too. Spoiler alert. Bruce Wayne loves Selena Kyle, and vice versa. Bruce is concerned with the company Selena has been keeping in his absence, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn in particular. Selena is actually a moderating influence on the others, believe it or not. Selena and her pals go to the Villains Club. She's being trailed by Vicky Vale, who's trying to tie up the loose ends of her story. The Villains Club is having an auction of illegal products. Tigers, rare birds, people, slaves, you know how it is. Selena has her eye on the fabled Pink Minx, a statuette with jewels for eyes. She tried to steal it years ago, but Batman stopped her. Harley shows up, sees that they are auctioning off hyenas, which she has a fondness for, and causes a ruckus and releases all the animals. Vicky Vale leaves in all the commotion. Vicky had been at the auction to find an informant inside Wayne Industries that had evidence for her. The informant called her to apologize for not hooking up with her in all the chaos. They arrange to meet at a diner. While she's out, Catwoman sneaks into her apartment and sees that she's also been collecting information on Gotham's villains, which is very dangerous. She, she takes pictures of the evidence wall and leaves. When Vicky returns home, she knows someone has been in her apartment. On a nearby rooftop, Selena meets the insider. Turns out he was the informant and was just trying to get Vicky out of her house so Selena could go in. She turns over her photos to him. Selena says that someone should tell Vicky to lay off collecting info on the baddies because you can get killed that way. She and the insider have a romantic moment. Could he be Bruce? Is he back? We'll see. Penguin sends some bad guys, Charger and Roundhouse, to kill Vicky Vale because of what she knows, and Jim Gordon and some GCPD cops are trying to save her. She's in prote protective custody for whatever that means in Gotham. Some of the cops are working for the bad guys. 
There's a big shootout and Oracle gets wind of the fight and relays the info to the insider who heads over to the location. In the meantime, good old Jim Gordon proves to be a capable butt kicker. Insider arrives and saves the day or night. Insider and Gordon talk on the roof and Gordon says he could use a good man like him. (laughs) Little does he know. The Seven Men of Death, Rachel Ghoul's personal hit squatter in Gotham. Rach is after Vicky. No one messes with Bruce except him. Insider has Vicky in protective custody. Oracle is pretty sure Insider is Bruce, but she's going along with the shtick. She remembers when she lost the use of her legs how Bruce believed in her and helped her become Oracle. She sends Batgirl, Stephanie Brown, Hawk, and Dove, Ragman, Manhunter, and Manbat to help Insider with the Seven Men of Death. They send out fake Vicky Vale sightings and let the helpers fight them. Insider flies away with Vicky on his back, but they're hit by a bazooka. Luckily, the suit absorbs the blast. Still, they crash onto the sidewalk. Vicky runs. She gets caught by one of Raish's men, White Ghost. Insider uses Wonder Woman's lasso of truth to find out that Raish doesn't want a stupid recorder to, reporter to taint Bruce's legacy. The bats defeat the seven men of death. Oracle lets Insider know she's on to him being Bruce. He pretty much admits it. White Ghost is about to kill Vicky, but Insider interrupts him and they fight. Vicky goes to get some cops, but they are on Raish's payroll too. She runs and is pursued. Insider gets the cop with Wonder Woman's lasso and finds someone named the Expediter wanted to kill Vicky. The Expediter is probably Rachel Ghoul. Vicky gets into a cab and drives off. The cab is harassed by a garbage truck and crashed into by a fire engine. Insider realizes that Raish is hurting Vicky somewhere. But where? Vicky returns to her apartment where Raish is waiting for her. Insider finishes up fighting White Ghost and flies away. He breaks up the chat between Raish and Vicky. Raish re- recognizes the Insider as Bruce and welcomes the detective back. Vicky goes, duh, of course, it's Batman. Bruce takes off the Insider mask and exposes his identity. Raish puts a sword to his throat. Bruce says that he will deal with Vicky and Raish should skedaddle. Raish says, yeah, okay, bye. Bruce apologizes to Vicky. She admits that she was trying to expose him because she was mad he left her. Though a Pulitzer would have been nice too. She torches her wall of photos with yarn tied to them. The end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics 
even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages. And as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that. You can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things. All right. Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. All right, Chris. What'd you think? Jerry, some initial impressions, and then we'll pick it apart a little more deeper. Mm-hmm. I agonized over this one. This yeah. is a series that I really had no recollection of, but I'm, I'm sure I purchased back in the day when it initially came out. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I wrote down was, why did it have to be a, quote, road home? I, mm-hmm. I would have preferred a lane home, Ooh, a path home, yeah. a shortcut home. But no, we have a road <laughs> home, and it is a long, it long is. road. Uh, some of the chapters are better than others. Some of the artwork is better than others. But overall, I kind of thought this was a little long and overblown mm-hmm. and at the end of the day it just basically sets up a new series and for somebody picking up that first issue they'll be kind of lost yeah. setting it up <laughs> so yep. I, I i really struggled with this one um there were some glimmers here and there but as i mentioned on the previous podcast uh, where we covered red robin the hit list I, I think i said uh some of the parts are greater than the whole mm-hmm. this this really is that to the extreme because there are some kernels and some nuggets here and there that i, I kind of liked and thought was good yeah. but Man, overall, at the end of the day, I, I just had a lot of problems with mm-hmm. this one. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I thought that it was uh, the story as a whole was kind of tedious. Uh, it's not really a single story. Some of them are good. I think there are some nuggets, as you mentioned, um, that I really liked. I think some of the Stephanie stuff, although she was a little over the top, she was like Stephanie plus. Uh, I thought it was fun. Um, but you know, overall, it's, it's not really terribly interesting. You know, Bruce is, is kind of just kind of reintroducing himself to the teams. And it's kind of the same thing over and over. Maybe this played out differently in a kind of a week to week situation, but, um, I just felt it was very repetitive. Um, 
you know, we get Bruce's narration in snippets. So it's taken out of the white case book and it's basically handwriting on a white background like he's writing in a notebook. Um, but in, it's very close to Vicki Vale's narration, which is like typed words on a white piece of paper, right? She's a reporter. So, you know, it's kind of done in a courier kind of font. Um, so sometimes, you know, it, you, the only difference is one is in typed and one is in handwriting. So you have to really pay very close attention to, uh, the narration and who's doing it. Um, you know, I, I really didn't like the performance evaluation aspect of this. Why would, why would he do this? Why would Bruce do this? Go undercover on his way back to make sure that everybody is still fighting the way he wants them to, I guess. Um, uh, and I don't know. Uh, you know, also Dick, he found the helicopter, you know, when he found where the helicopter was, it was kind of like, like Batman in a shark repellent. Like it just, the plot needed him to find him. And he like, Oh yes. Well, I knew that they had a, you know, he, I know where all his hideouts are. Um, you know, there were other pieces. Prudence was good. I like her. She's fun. They didn't give her a lot to do. Um, the one thing that I really didn't like at the end of this was Vicki Vale's, um, uh, motivation you know she yeah she's always you know as the story goes on she's saying oh you know i want to be a reporter i want to find the evidence to tell my story but you know at the end it turns out she was just upset that bruce you know wouldn't go out with her i thought that was really weak um i i, I wasn't happy with that at all i don't know what do you think about that jerry i i had some conflicting thoughts with it because this was a series that overall really gave uh, Vicky Vale some character development yeah. and, and put her in the forefront. That said, you know, with the mechanizations of what she's doing versus uh, acting as a reporter with malice versus acting as a reporter versus a reporter trying to find the truth, it was, it was kind of a, a very thin line yeah. uh, that, that they were trying to tell here, and I, I was kind of conflicted with that. I it did over and overall enjoy that uh, she got her moment here, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I did like that uh, how she resolved okay now i know the truth but i I, i'm going to put this away she was depicted as an intelligent character Mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. that's one of the things i I wanted to applaud the the series overall with respect to that uh this is this is not somebody who's just a dumb reporter who doesn't take no for an answer or just kind of uh shrugs when the door closes Mm -hmm. you know this this is somebody who just really wants to keep investigating uh to the point of annoyance perhaps (laughs) yes and with, with a certain motivations being misplaced, yes, I will grant you that. But I, I did overall, when when the dust settled, I, I like how, how how we came about, uh, you know, where this character is. But unfortunately, I don't I don't know if she ever moves forward beyond this point. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe this is like, well, I, I got my resolution and and now I'm gone because I honestly don't think uh, I don't recall her seeing certainly not anything in Rebirth, and I I don't recall her ever popping up in New Fifty Two. So. <laughs> yeah. a swan song if you will but uh yeah. here, we, here we are um looking at some of the other things in the notes i do want to comment on the art i thought some of the stuff was a little bit better in places mm-hmm. i i really uh dug simon kurdaski's art with the commissioner gordon oh, yeah. it had like a, this mike gatos feel to me and I, I really couldn't find out uh more of it but uh, when i dug on him i i i saw that he's going to do something for marvel later this year so i was i was pleased to find that out mm-hmm. 
I don't think anything really was uh, poor with respect to the artwork. When you get a lot of creative teams on there, I think you sort of lose a little bit of the flow. Yeah. Uh, when I got to the Outsiders chapter, I think the artwork there was kind of a little more, oh, okay, great. You know, this is a team I remember the core group reading in the early 80s, and I was glad to see them. But uh, some of the art transition took 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 my eyes to reset to another one, especially when you're going from uh, somebody like... Uh, uh, Raymond Bax to Scott McDaniel. It's like, oh, wow, this is totally different. Yeah. So my, my eyes were kind of playing tricks on me in places, and it, it, it took me a little moment or two to settle in with each respective chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Gwynn, of course, of, of you know, just so many different art styles, uh, all good, uh, different little bit of palettes, a nice little smorgasbord of there. So mm-hmm. um, I really couldn't find a panel, though, that really stood out on me. But, uh, boy, this uh, Kudransky guy I thought was really over uh, underrated. Mm-hmm. I just really dug his stuff. And to, for him to do the Commissioner Gordon chapter, I thought was really fitting. I think that was a good uh, fit for character and artist. Yeah. I, I really like that one. Uh, the Catwoman chapter was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I did like the Outsiders chapter that I did mention. Jerry, I'm going to piggyback to a point you said before, though, too. Why is Bruce doing this? Yeah. Couldn't he have done this as Batman? Would it have would it have been more of a tease for the reader if we didn't even know who the insider was? Mm-hmm. You know, but we we could have guessed as such. But it, just if if it, why not collect everybody and then have the big reveal yeah. at the end? You know, I mean, it's it, it just I, I really why why is he doing this and why couldn't he have done it as Batman? I, I just didn't get it. And just just the collective reaction of everybody just kind of blew me away too mm-hmm. because there was really nobody that seemingly was pissed about it or, you know, oh, you fooled me, you know. It almost had like a uh, Silver Age, oh, ho-hum, shucks, you know, you got me bit, and then everybody moves yep. on. I was, I was, I was kind of... Uh, shrugged you know it was it was I, I, I was taken aback by you know how how there was little reaction with our characters yeah. with respect to that to be fair um i i don't know if this was um like an editorial mandate where yeah. you have a certain creative team and they're tasked with um we're going to deliver a chapter for a respective book mm-hmm. um it was great to see mike w Barr writing uh a chapter again i, I really liked his stuff in the uh, batman and the outsiders days from the um uh, 80s so I, it was nice to see him i always thought he was a good solid writer mm-hmm. but uh some of some of this was was good i, I liked the catwoman chapter mm-hmm. i certainly liked the uh, stephanie brown batgirl chapter that was really good yeah. the, the tim chapter was solid outsiders it was nice to see him but i thought it was kind of overblown but everything else sort of kind of got off course yeah. a little bit and it, it took me a while to get vested back in the story and hold my interest uh the Vicky Vale thing where she got captured in off-panel land, I thought was a little disappointing. Uh, but I think that's about everything I had in my notes. Yeah. There was just, and I don't want to be so negative because I, I wanted, to, I gave this a couple of passes and looked at this lines, and I thought, okay, am I, am I being uh, too critical? Am I, am I, am I, am I in a bad mood at the moment? Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be fair with this, but at the end, I, I just really, it wasn't. Overall, an enjoyable read for yeah. me. <laughs> I felt kind of uh, dissatisfied once once it was all said and done. And these are characters I like, and I, I, I want to give this a fair shake, but I, I really didn't get sure. a lot of connection and resonance. It, 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 there's a little bit of uh, too much disjointedness and... Uh, the, the methods behind Batman doing this were just a little unclear to me with the respective motive. Uh, so... Maybe it was a pitched as an idea, and it just didn't land for me execution wise. Yeah. Jerry, did you have anything else? Well, I think you're absolutely right. When this sounds like this is like an editorially directed, you know, plan. All right, we're going to get 
Bruce back, but we're going to really stretch it out. And the whole, that was the whole concept that I think kind of um, fell flat for me is this, let's make Bruce, you know, go undercover and, you know, observe everybody. Um, you, you know, we, we've said, you know, that a lot of the pieces work. I thought, you know, Tim, the Tim worked. I, I liked uh, Katana, the, you know, when she realized that um, it was Bruce and um, they had a, they had a little conversation. I really liked that. I thought this was really good. Jim Gordon. I think this is really good. Stephanie Brown, you know, uh, Rach had had his moments too, you know, that were pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but all in all, I think the, um, the the whole was less than the sum of the parts. I just think it was yes. a poor. It was just the not very compelling setup, and it was the same thing over and over and over, and uh, just really didn't work for me. Um, if you were going to bring this in as a rating or a must read recommend, where would you put this? Well, Jerry, I, I'm following your logic, you know, with respect to the sum, because if I was if I was to take some of these standalone issues, I'd give them two and a half and three. You know, this is average, still slightly above average, some of uh-huh. them. But when you put it all together, I think it becomes kind of like an overlong mess, yeah. you know, and I, I, I wrote down a two and a two and a half. And, you know, it's going to, as insane as it sounds, you know, I would give some of these individual issues higher scores. But if you put it all together, I'm going to kind of lower my score. Yeah. It's insane, yeah. but but here I am. I, I'm going to give this basically a two out of a five, okay. and by by no means is it is it that terrible. But I, I think collectively it it just doesn't work, or is is this all satisfying uh, as some of the standalone stuff? I think if you just read the uh, Stephanie Brown book or the, the the Catwoman book and just called it a day right there, I think you would have felt good and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But if, as you keep going, it, this this it's a little lost for yeah. me. I am glad, though. I do want to circle back to the Vicky Vale stuff. Uh, the, the, I do want to applaud that, uh, for the most part, as you alluded to, that there was there was some uh, with respect to the character's designs with why she was doing this. Yeah. But I, I think at least she was portrayed as an intelligent character, yeah. which I think over the years she's gotten some short shrift yeah. with, certainly in the Golden Age. And I liked that. Um, but I am going to. As, as crazy as it sounds, and perhaps in a bet books for beginners first, um, I'm going to give this a two out of five, but I did like some of the respective individual chapters better. Yeah. Am I going to say this is a must-read? No. Am I going to recommend it? I'm going to recommend it only if you're a completist, yeah. if you're a Vicky Vale fan. And, hey, if you can find it as cheap as I did from some of these online vendors mm-hmm. who seem to be giving it away for under $2, by all means, help yourself. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get a, you're, you're, you certainly think you're going to get your money's worth at least with that. Yeah. So, Jerry, uh, I'm curious to hear what your rating is, and would you say this is a recommend or not recommend? Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to agree with you on, on the score. I would, I'll give it a two and a half just because I think some of the, um, some of the pieces I did like. I am a Stephanie Brown fan. I'm a Tim fan. Uh, I'm a Rachel Gould fan, so there was a lot here for me to like. Um, but you know, it just, it was very, very average to me. Uh, I would not say this is a must read. This is not something that I think moves the bat story along at all. It could be skipped and, uh, you know, <laughs> Bruce will be back and it'll be fine. Um, and in terms of recommending, you know, if you've got this laying around the house, <laughs> you know, sure. Go ahead, read it. I wouldn't recommend you uh, spend any of that kind of money, spend any of that big money you were talking about to get get a hold of this or go out of your way to get it. So that's unfortunate, but there we are. 
Yeah, there we are. But at least we got Bruce back. Yeah, that's true. Bruce is on his way. <laughs> that's nice. At what cost? Yes, yes. <laughs> Too many cooks spoiling that broth again. Oh. Yeah, I did think it was funny when Alfred uh, um, confessed everything to Vicky and she kind of swallowed her tongue there for a second. Yes. That was fun. But Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good moment. Yeah. So now, as folks probably know, that you and I do other things outside of this show. Um, Chris, uh, you can find Chris out on at BTO and Bat Books on Twitter. And you also do a lot of uh, reviewing for Batman Adventures and other things on Batgirl to Oracle. Could you tell us a little bit about that, Chris? Thank you very much, Jerry. I have a segment on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast hosted by the marvelous Stella, and as she dubiously dubbed it, Chris's Cornucopia (laughs) of Curiosities. And right now I am reviewing the Batman Adventures title, which is based on the 90s animated series. And I had a good one this past uh, episode for September where I looked at Batman Adventures number 23 with Mm. Poison Ivy as uh, the guest star. Excellent. I hope you like it. It's a lot of fun. Also, I have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch, where I look at the Nightwing title, currently, from a shipper's perspective, mm-hmm. and we have a little fun with that. <laughs> and Jerry, uh, not only do you tweet about comics, mm-hmm. uh, you also talk about indie comics, about another podcast that we host, but you know, I, I really like that you do so much with respect to horror, oh, yeah. live tweet during some uh, horror movies, yeah. and you also can be found on another podcast called Monster Kid Radio. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So you can get me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy, and there I tweet weekly comics. Uh, We discuss about indie comics quite a bit. Um, Talk about Dark Shadows a lot. And uh, Chris and I both live tweet horror movies uh, at the hashtag Spanguli on Saturday night starting at 8. And we also do some of the other sci-fi Saturday movies, Wonder Woman uh, shows, Star Trek etc. And uh, you mentioned, thank you for mentioning the uh, segment I do on Monster Kid Radio. I cover an EC horror comic story, um, one story a week. So that is a lot of fun. I love those EC horror comics and uh, it's great to run through them in detail and talk about them. You also alluded to the uh, other podcast you and I do, uh, The Professor Frenzy Show. So that podcast is about indie comics, and we do, it's a weekly. We talk about that week's indie comics and other pop culture topics, and it's been a lot of fun. So check that show out. Search on iTunes for The Professor Frenzy Show. Jerry, uh, on the last episode, we talked about uh, the trade Red Robin the Hit List, yeah. and I got a good comment from our friend Ian, who's on Twitter at IBM Miller, who said the following. I really love the insight that the parts are greater than the whole. Nitzianza's plotting tends to have a lot of serious holes Mm -hmm. based on this and his final issues of Robin. And I appreciated the discussion of Tim shipping as a Tim Steph shipper. Mm -hmm. The emphasis on brief physical affairs in the second half of this run felt very untrue to Tim's character, as well as somewhat distasteful given Tim's age and audience. Plus, Nitzianza ignores all of Tim's history with Steph, saying it's just hormones and not deep emotional bonds. Lastly, the Lynx plot was fun, conceptually as a parallel with Bad Cat, mm-hmm. but reduces Dick Babb's parallels with Steph, and yeah. is very unsatisfying with no truth being discovered about Lynx's true motives or character. I can't get attached to a ship with, honestly, on one side, smiley yeah, emoji. Right. God, Ian, I really commend you for taking the time to write, because I think your comments are so, so insightful with respect to Tim and respect to Steph. Uh, applause, applause, my friend. Uh, you really did yeah. uh, great job nailing that one for us and i i concur wholeheartedly i think uh jerry you were fortunate enough to chime in quicker than i was with respect to ian's uh comments and uh, on twitter and i really appreciate that yeah yeah it was so shout out to ian you can also find him on the batman universe 
Oh my gosh, yes. So again, you can find Ian at the Batman Universe Comic Podcast with Dustin and Steph, where you can find more of his respectful insights to the current Batman Court titles. I highly recommend it, as I'm sure Jerry does as yeah. well. So thank you so much for chiming in. We were fortunate to get some likes and retweets on our past episodes, so let's give those fine folks a shout-out. First up, we heard from Christopher Hamby oh. at Chris Hamby Films. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Thank you so much, Sean. You can find him on the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, where he does a magnificent job covering the Squadron Supreme podcast from the 80s. Really, really insightful stuff. Occasionally, you find him uh, popping up as a guest on other various <laughs> podcasts as well with, with marvelous yeah, insights. Yeah, so great. We heard from our good friend Bob at Nick oh. City Brewing, co-host, co-host of the Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop podcast. Thank you so much, Bob. Another fine show, yeah. and I highly recommend as well. Again, you can find Ian at IBM Miller on Twitter. We heard from our good friend Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. Awesome. And we heard from Robin Stevens at Robin0311 Robin. Robin. Thank you one and all. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time where Chris and I will cover Batman, Streets of Gotham, House of Hush. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Batman's extreme Yes, yes When he leads the Justice League Satellite in the night Always trying to do what's right That's card bankroll What will happen when you hit the pole? Well, you don't know who's in the night Bring Red Robin and maybe Batgirl To the big bad villain fight Download the show now It is time now Bad Books for Beginners starts right away 